We give thanks for this good rain, don't we? Yeah. Jesus does not ever shy away from hard topics. He confronts the politics of his day, speaks openly of human mortality, and speaks hard truths. He holds his followers accountable. Our treatment of one another, all kinds of relationships, and the realities of sin and idolatry. Now, of course, Jesus comforts his followers. He also challenges us. He speaks the truth, draws us close to God's ways and presence in our lives. The gospel holds nothing back today. We find Jesus surrounded and closed in by a crowd of some intensity. Luke has told us that this is a crowd that was trampling one another. We can imagine the scene, the smells, the noise, the people. And the gospel only escalates from here. A voice is heard above the crowd, Tell my brother! And Jesus seems almost defensive. Well, who made me judge and arbitrator, he says. And then he continues with a warning. Guard your lives against greed, he says. And then he tells them a parable centered around stockpiling and apathy and death. The parable is so passionate that God calls man a fool. Now, when God calls humans fools, we should probably sit up and pay attention. Now, one detail of Luke's gospel is that throughout the gospel, God responds to the wealthy and those in power, and it's not a positive response. Think back to Luke chapter 1. Mary has just heard from Gabriel that she will bear the Messiah into the world, and she begins to sing God's praises. The coming of the Messiah means God is at work, doing great and holy things. This includes bringing down the powerful from their thrones and sending the rich empty away. From the beginning, then, the theology of Luke's gospel is not neutral. Riches and power will stand, will not stand, in the kingdom of God. A survey of the parables in Luke's gospel produces at least five that center around money. These include the prodigal son, the rich man and Lazarus, and today's story. Each one reveals a variety of tensions in our lives. Questions like, how does wealth interfere with our relationships? How do we experience God's generosity in our lives? Do we experience God's grace and mercy abundantly? The parables have this way of comforting us and irritating us. They remind us that God can indeed overcome any chasm that exists between us. 
that we are very vulnerable to temptations and idolatry. I'm very curious then about today's parable. And as I began to ask a whole series of questions, the action of the parable became more and more absurd to me. I wonder, why would a farmer not have a place to store his crops? Or why does a rich person have nowhere to store their possessions? And how long, how long does it take to tear down and build new barns? I remember when we tore down the barn on my family's farm. I was a child. It took at least a day, and that was when the whole family was there, and my grandfather was the oldest of 12, so there were a lot of us. How long to tear down and build new barns? And how, how is one year's harvest, no matter how abundant it is, enough for a whole person's life? It seems to me that there's not a lot of wisdom or prudence in this farmer's plan. And so it's no wonder that God calls out, You fool! What are you thinking? While the prodigal son squanders his inheritance, the farmer in today's parable squanders his whole life. And while the rich man neglects and misuses his relationship with Lazarus, the farmer thinks only of themselves. They never consider how their harvest will benefit their neighbor or their community. It seems like there's more to this story than a warning about greed. There's something here about the need for wisdom and prudence and the reality of isolation versus community. And what about that final verse? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. What does it mean to be rich toward God? Now it is true that the Gospel of Luke has this negative perspective on wealth and power. It is also true that the Gospel of Luke preaches God's abundance and generosity. The mighty are brought down. The lowly are lifted up. The rich are sent away empty. The hungry are made full. Consider again the parables. In the parable of the sower, there is a generous harvest, even amidst rocks and thorns. The parable of the Good Samaritan depicts a generous, abundant care for the stranger. Even today's parable includes an abundant harvest. There is enough, Jesus says, always enough, more than enough. And yet there is that irritation. Wealth and power somehow inhibit the natural abundance and generosity of creation. Now just before today's gospel, Jesus warns the crowd of hypocrisy and invites them to trust God. 
It is then that he's interrupted by this request from the crowd. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, I've always assumed, always, that the warning and the parable are directed to that request. But I've begun to wonder if they are also a response to the inheritance itself. What if? What if Jesus is asking his followers to examine the practice of saving their wealth? What if the warning and the story are not for the crowd, but for us, the readers of the gospel? What if the one asking for the inheritance is desperate for it just in order to live? The warning and the story may be for those who have the money and the power. Which begs the questions, does having an inheritance inhibit our relationships with one another or with God? Can we trust God and have an inheritance? Is the one with the inheritance a hypocrite for not sharing? Or is it hypocritical to ask for your inheritance? Or how does wealth of any kind make us hypocrites of the gospel? Do we trust God to provide for us? So let me be clear. These questions make me very uncomfortable. Every month, my family puts into savings money for ourselves, for our kids. We have three children. College funds, yes, please. 401ks, I'd like to retire. I love you all, but I would like to retire one day. We give generously to the cathedral and other nonprofits. And we are good tippers. I was a waitress. I know the quality of a good tip. We shop local. We work hard to not throw away food, to take care of and steward all of our possessions. And the question rings in my ears. Do I trust God? So here are two important questions. Do I trust God? Am I rich towards God? So I asked myself, well, Dean Moe, where's the good news, please? And here, here's where I think it is, where I believe it to be so, is that it is okay if our answers to these questions are maybe or just a little. It's okay if we're saving our money because, yes, we trust God and also we need money to live. Today's gospel, the gospel of Jesus is not an ultimatum. It's an invitation. An invitation to examine our lives, to wonder Am I hungry for an earthly inheritance, the one comprising investments and securities? Or am I hungry for my eternal inheritance, 
full of God's lavish grace and forgiveness. We must be on guard, on guard from all sorts of temptations and idols, from greed and hypocrisy. And we must turn our lives towards generosity and an authentic faith, a faith that is honest about our doubts, wise and prudent about God's presence in our lives. And so maybe this happens in an immense decision, like giving away any of this abundant harvest that we don't need. Or maybe this is a small, faithful choice, like giving some of our harvest to our neighbor. Each time, each time we move closer to trusting God, we take one more step on our journey with Christ. You see, we can come so close to God because God has drawn so close to us. Before we hear today's question of inheritance in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells the crowd to not be afraid. He says to them, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet none of them is forgotten in God's sight, but even the hairs of your head are all counted. Do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. God meets all of our fears with faithfulness. There are so many reasons to be afraid to wonder if there's enough, enough money, enough food, enough forgiveness, enough life. And the gospel comes to us and says, there is enough, always enough, more than enough. There is enough bread for 5,000. There is plenty of mercy for the sick. Abundant forgiveness for the reckless. There is life, even as we die. My friends, we can trust God because God has already given us all that we need. Thanks be to God.